as we'll get his perspective on all things NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, you name it. He has done it. And we'll look forward to chatting with him coming up in just a few moments from right now. David Starr, Dominic Argon are both here. But before we officially bring them in, a reminder, as always, this show is presented by Whataburger. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve hot and fresh. 24 hours a day. David Starr joins us right now. Dave, how we doing, bud? Man, doing great. Just uh, got back from Nashville this afternoon and uh, been catching up around my house. Stopped at Whataburger, had me uh, picked up my boys from the house, and they wanted to go eat at Whataburger. So, man, we went there, ate lunch, and uh, I've been home ever since working, you know, so absolutely. Man, uh, Dr. Gargon would bring you in from the racing experts. And I got to say, I had so much fun with you guys doing this show in person last week and hanging out with you off the air. Uh, now we're back to doing the Zoom again, but uh, certainly was uh, some great times, all of us together on and off camera last week, Tom. Absolutely. We had the track as a background. We got to do the show live. We had a live studio audience last week. Tyler and Dave, I got a lot of feedback from people that were watching back home here in New Mexico, and they were saying, you guys need to have some sort of live thing, like, more often, even if you can do it somehow virtually. So, I don't know, maybe something we can all think about doing down the road, but I did hear that, that people enjoyed watching our show live and look forward to doing more of those. Certainly, certainly. Uh, we had a great time, David. Uh, it, was, it was so much fun uh, last week, and I got to say, too, uh, you know, we since we last talked when we did the special show on Sunday night, I went to David's house and I got to see the, the whole studio set up firsthand and what that was all like. Uh, I, I appreciate David not only you letting us give us the, the condo for a few days, but uh, welcoming me into your home too. Uh, we had a great weekend, just uh, the full experience and wouldn't it have been possible without you, David? So for yeah. Dominic and I both, we, we thank you, man. We really appreciate you, Dave. And, man, I'm sure Tyler was like a bad itch. You just couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I uh, I still got uh, – I'm still battling some, some, some wounds from Texas, man. We had a great time, great racing, great partners, Mark Tate and – you know, just all our partners that were there with us. And, uh, man, what, 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 it was just a great weekend. It was so hot in the race car on uh, Saturday afternoon during the Xfinity race that I ended up getting a rash on my, on my, uh, on my nose. You know, it was, I'd had to say it was probably the, one of the top three times, uh, probably top three ever hottest days that we raced in I ever did and uh, man it blistered my nose up the heat did and uh, but man it was a spectacular weekend the racing was great the all-star race was awesome and uh, it was a lot of fun man so I'm glad y'all joined us glad we could do it live that's for sure yeah, no doubt about it and uh, David this past week you were in Nashville tell us about the uh, Nashville experience as NASCAR made its return to the track for the first time in over a decade and first time for the cup series in over 30 years. Man, it was awesome. You know, I love the city of Nashville, Tennessee, been racing there at the Nashville super speedway when it opened up. I think we raced there for, I don't know, six, seven, eight. I don't remember how many years. And, 
almost won a race there and, uh, you know, was always very competitive in the truck series there. And, uh, but man, I tell you, a lot of, I watched the truck race Friday night and, uh, man, everybody was complaining about being tight during practice and qualifying. I heard a little people talking about being free at night, but man, I tell you what, our Waterburger, uh, Waterburger Toyota Super was super tight during the race. Uh, we just, we worked on that thing. We, we changed everything during the race, but the paint job, you know what I mean? We had a beautiful, beautiful Waterburger orange looking race car. That's awesome. But man, we just couldn't get that thing to rotate in the center of the corner. And, uh, uh, we battled it and battled and battled and tried stuff and never could get what we needed in the race car. It was just super tight in the center of the corner. And, uh, we, we brought that thing, our Whataburger Toyota home in 20, 24th place. And man, we, man, we gave it all we had the crew, the, the crew chief, myself, it just, we just didn't have what we needed that day, but it was still a fun race. And uh, Kyle Busch scored his number 100 Xfinity wins, which is amazing and big time record in our sport. And uh, man, the fans, it was amazing that the Nashville area and the surrounding areas, how hungry the race fans were for NASCAR to come back to Nashville was just amazing. Um, unbelievable. Sounds like it, David. Uh, what a great time. And and some great partners you had out there, not only Whataburger, but Bob Minery and his team were there. And and uh, we also saw, uh, I know that they didn't make the race, but uh, cool to see Brett Baer get to be out there and such to him. And yet you had the, the whole gang out there, it seemed. Dude, it was amazing. Having Brett Baer, Bob Minery there is just, you know, these guys are just, you know, they're just special people. And uh, to watch Brett Baer uh, on Fox you know, Fox News, a uh, special report with Brett Baer in the Evening Times. It's amazing to be in his presence and to have him be part of our amazing sport of NASCAR racing. He's just, uh, you know, he's just a great man, a great person, a great father, uh, a great husband. He's just, man, I'm, I'm inspired when I'm around him, you know. And then to be able to have the, the Ripper, the Ripper Magoo, Magoo uh, race car with Bob Henry on Sunday, man, that was that was amazing, and uh, it was unbelievable. I had Bob Minery out there with me, and uh, and you know, and Brent Mayer, and 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 right before the our Cup race started yesterday, uh, Pitbull walked by and was I grabbed him and took a picture. Couldn't believe I'm taking a picture with Pitbull, and and then what? Ten minutes later, here come uh, you know Kid Rock. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, you know, I mean. NASCAR racing is alive and well, dude. I mean, the country stars are out. I mean, it was just amazing, the energy and the fans. Uh, it was awesome, man. It was a great weekend of racing, and uh, it, it was just a great weekend, man. It was a great race, and uh, I don't know. I just everything about it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, David, uh, the, the Nashville race seemed like just an experience. I mean, I hear Brad Paisley out there doing a great job hosting free race in NBC. <laughs> Kyle Petty's performing at the Grand Ole Opry on Saturday night and doing a great job. I mean, uh, this this NASCAR at Nashville thing, I hope it's here to stay. It seemed like they put on a show besides just the race itself. Man, I, I believe it is. It was awesome. And, man, I got to run the Bob Minery Cup car yesterday, and we were we were having a great race. And uh, 
you know, you lose a lot of brakes there. You know, you're carrying a lot of speed in the corners there at Nashville Super Speedway, and you got to slow that thing down to get it to rotate in the center. And, man, I lost it. My, my left front rotor exploded and put us out of the race about halfway through the race. And, uh, you know, I think I heard there were five or six other ones that had brake issues during the race. But uh, what a great race it was. And it was just good to see NASCAR back in the – state of Tennessee and back in the city of Nashville, you know, because uh, there's a lot of rich history with NASCAR and Nashville. So, it, and man, the, the, the fans, they didn't disappoint. Now, they all came out, man. It was amazing. They delayed the race to build, to wait, to get more people into the complex. There's so many people coming that there's so much traffic. And I think they had a little bit of a parking issue, but I think NASCAR and the and uh, the networks, the TV networks, did an awesome job of delaying it to make sure they would get most of the race fans inside the racetrack to get the race started. It was awesome. Oh, that was so cool to see. Dominic, uh, James Davidson, we're about to bring him in right now. You know James. You've uh, had a few conversations with him over the years. Tell us about James Davidson and uh, his uh, run that, that he's had in, uh, in all sorts of forms of racing. Sure. James has had an extensive background with all racing disciplines. We're talking open wheel to stock car. And I've known James about a year. We've done a few interviews with my freelance work with ESPN Radio Albuquerque and RacingExperts.com. And when I told James that we were starting this podcast up, it was about January, February time. He said, yeah, I'd be interested in coming on as a guest at some point this season. So it's now June and here we are. And James, we really appreciate you taking the time for joining us here tonight on Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. <laughs> yeah, so, so James, go ahead and tell us where it all started, right? I mean, you've been here racing now in NASCAR for about a year, but let's take us back to the beginning. Was your dad involved? Did you have an uncle? Tell us how James Davison got his start in racing. Yeah, well, it's a lengthy answer for sure. So um, my grandfather, Lex Davison, short for Alex, uh, Alexander, um, he won the Australian Grand Prix four times in the 1950s and 60s. Wow. And um, uh, passed away in an accident in 1964 um, and left behind seven children. And my dad was the second oldest at 16 years of age. Um, and my father... Uh, raced in the Tasman Formula 5000 series, so the cars that Michael uh, Mario Andretti raced in the in the 1970s. Brian Redman Formula 5000 was the headline event at the Long Beach Grand Prix the first two years before F1 took it over. So, um, yeah, my father drove in I think nine Australian Grand Prix before it, you know, officially became part of the World Championship for F1 in the mid 80s. And then after my father retired from racing, he took over running a racetrack called Sandown that the Australian V8 supercars have a 500-kilometre endurance race at before going to Bathurst. So I grew up going to Sandown as a kid. Incidentally, Sandown was the circuit that my grandfather, my father's father, passed away at in a racing accident in the 60s. So it has a lot of value to our family. And um, it's where I won my first ever car race, my first pole position. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. My cousin, Will Davison, that drives for one of the top V8 supercar teams, um, has won the Sandown 500. Um, and so 
um, yeah, I, I was around Australian V8 supercars, around the roaring V8 engine that we all love. And, um, you know, as a kid, it's pretty inspiring. But also I was going to F1 in my hometown of Melbourne in the late 90s in the heyday again with, uh, you know, the V10s and, um, and, and, and also IndyCar was racing up at Surface Paradise in the cart heyday. So, again, you know, turbocharged V8s, 950 horsepower. I mean, it was the best era and so inspiring as a kid. And as much as I loved F1, I absolutely loved watching cart in that heyday with Zanardi and Montoya and... <coughs> Um, yeah, just going to that event and how close you could get to the pit paddock area, you know, the, the whole Americana in, in the paddock was so appealing and foreign to, you know, an Australian kid. And um, just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible to see. And, and that very much inspired me to go chase the dream in America where, my father and I both wanted to be over Europe and um, saw it was maybe, maybe a little more realistic to make it on limited financial resources compared to Europe. So, yeah, that's basically how it started in the 90s for me as a kid and going to these events. And um, I did do a year and a half of go-karts when I was 11 to 12 and a half. It was actually my mother that bought the go-karts and had her boyfriend um, mechanic them because <laughs> my dad didn't want me to get involved. He knew how hard it was. Like I said, racing had killed his father. Obviously, very different era, but, you know, things still happen, as we know. And, yeah, my dad was just very timid, also just not having millions and millions behind him. But I loved it. I wanted to do it so much. Fortunately, I showed I had some natural ability to, you know, get it you know, run well off the bat. And, um, you know, I stopped kart karting really from 12 to 17 because my dad just forced me to, not force me, but just I had to focus on high school. I, I went to a private boys' school. We had to wear a collar and tie and suit coat. And <laughs> it, it, you know, it was pretty, pretty full on and very different to, you know, how I guess uh, <laughs> the average kid grows up here. But, um, uh, I just was so passionate and definite about wanting to be a racing driver and playing all the PC games and, you know, the IndyCar racing to the, you know, the papyrus thing with a, you know, high pole page and the NASCAR game as well, that NASCAR <laughs> race in 2003, I think it was. Oh yeah. And there's still a dedicated community to that to this day. Yeah going the wrong way on the super speedways and just wreck. <laughs> <laughs> just going and spinning it in front of the whole pack and you know all the stuff you did as a kid and it was it was awesome and at the same time I, I saw days of thunder as a kid in the 90s and that was all like pretty eye-opening to see what nascar was as a kid and um basically you know i open wheel racing was in my family history. So that's where, you know, I focus my energies and um, uh, essentially as I got closer to IndyCar ra racing, you know, that 
it, it was declining, you know, with when things really starting to get tough, the manufacturers pulled out, the tobacco brands got banned um, and NASCAR was gaining a huge amount of traction there in the, in, in the 2000s. And the timing was just all really wrong for me to, to, to make it on the balance of probabilities with very little funding. But bottom line, I got a lot further than... I could have ever dreamed with what financial resources we had. Uh, finished runner-up in the Indy Lights Championship. Drove for Tony George's team, Vision Racing. Um, I kind of skipped a little bit, but I did Formula BMW, which was like the entry-level open-wheel series, and we raced at Montreal in Indianapolis with F1 along with a bunch of IndyCar races, and, and I won at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as a teenager on the F1 weekend, which was pretty huge. And, yeah, just got some good results and, and um, yeah, finished second in the Indy Lights Championship. The global financial crisis hit and then it was a really tough four years for me, really. I wasn't racing full-time. I was racing, you know, on a wing and a prayer, but just drove whatever I could. I think I drove um, in the 2010 six hours of Watkins Glen in Grand Am as a third driver in a DP so Jimmy Johnson was a third driver as well and um, was able to be competitive off the bat up in the top three. But if you didn't have the funding, you weren't in the car the next week and then you were just gone and forgotten. And, you know, all these teams, they want to see that you can do it week in, week out before they're going to hire you. And that, that has been the biggest struggle of my career is just never having that funding. So done many one-offs, um, did two road courses in IndyCar. Um, I hadn't done Indy Lights for four years at that point. Uh, just got like two weeks notice from Dale Coyne in 2013. Hey, I got the seat open. I can cut you a really good deal, which was still hard for me to put the funding together, but I did and just put my heart and soul into it. And found myself out qualifying Graham Rahal and Joseph Newgarden in my first ever start and, wow. uh, and beating them in the race. So it kind of just really made it clear to me that like, if you just really put your heart and soul into it and you want it, that you can make some pretty cool things happen against the odds. Um, and uh, you know, just getting that performance out of you, if you've got to do it tough and you have that fear of just having nothing, nothing to fall back on, you know, you, you, you kind of go that extra mile. So um, that helped me basically get a start in the Indy 500 the next year, combined with a bit of luck. There weren't 33 cars for 2014's Indy 500. IndyCar had to financially help the last entry, and that was me. And, um, yeah, got into the race and finished uh, in the top half of the field. So that was important. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, picked up a, an IMSA gig as well at the same time. Just all of a sudden I thought, okay, I'm 27 years old. Why are things going to get better here? They've been tough the last five years, but then it just all started happening. You know, I got a gig in a sports car and I made the most of that. And then I got a full season contract in IMSA and a contract with Nissan's factory team in GT World Challenge. And I found myself with, two sports car contracts and doing the Indy 500 in one year. But then things change again, you know, manufacturers pull out and 
the gentleman drivers in IMSA, you know, realize that racing's the biggest waste of money on earth. <laughs> and then I had nothing in sports car racing when I was top three in both series. And so you've just always got to be working hard to, you know, have something to fall back on. And, um, uh, you know, as it's turned out, I've done six Indy 500s. Two of them I've had great cars where I've been able to either lead the race or run in the top 10. Um, uh, the other four, yeah, been forgettable, just really tough deals with, you know, doing one-offs and, uh, you know, you just got all the odds stacked against you. But again, it's, you know, it's six more Indy 500s than most people can say and that I thought I was ever going to do. But um, uh, in, in 2016, basically, I was watching the Xfinity race at Mid-Ohio in the rain and I saw Andy Lally running up there in a very underfunded car. And I knew he couldn't be in that car at Road America in a couple of weeks' time because he had an IMSA race. And I thought, man, I've, I've got to try to get myself a start in this. Like NASCAR is absolutely where I want to be. It's it's my kind of racing. It's, I love the concept of just how simple it is and just giving the fans what they want and, and making it a show. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I did a deal with Mario Goslin in the 90 car there in Xfinity. And, um, you know, you, you very quickly get a reality check about how gigantic the performance disparity is. It's the biggest in world motorsport, as kind of Parker Klingerman puts it. Um, um, so, yeah, qualified in the middle of the pack and just sent it on the starts and restarts, got up to seventh. And, you know, I'm feeling all good about myself, but then I had no brakes and then it all goes downhill. <laughs> But uh, got myself like on the TV and stuff, and then that helped me getting in conversation with Joe uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing. And within the space of a year, I was driving for Joe Gibbs at, at Mid Ohio and uh, and Road America the next year. And man, you know, you get in that good stuff. You don't drive one bit differently, and you're at the front of the field. You know, winning the first stage of the race and doing it easier than you did to run 18th in the other car. So. That was amazing. I got to work with uh, Chris Gabehart, obviously Denny Hamlin's engineer. Um, uh, very unlucky not to win at Road America. Ended up getting taken out in an incident that uh, just I <laughs> was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, yeah, it, it certainly um, you know motivated me for more. And I returned with Joe Gibbs again uh, the next year and we were leading on the final restart and got turned around. So, you know, pretty much every race I did, I got, I got biffed and barged and knocked off the track, but it got me a start in NASCAR. So when things started to get a bit tough with the Indy 500, like you may recall my car burnt down, uh, after like two laps at the Indy 500 last year. And, you know, you put all your, all your eggs in one basket. It's very expensive to do that race with limited sponsors you've got. And there was the opportunity to get a start in the cup series, essentially through Rick Ware. I ended up driving for uh, Spire at Pocono last year, simply because the uh, alcoholic sponsor that I had had oil fire whiskey, um, 
it was kind of against Rick's desire to uh, put alcohol on any of his race cars as much as he didn't want to turn the money away. So his sister team, Spire, uh, at the time, um, I ended up driving for them. And I found myself going into the race, having never driven a stock car on the oval, on an oval, never driven Pocono, no practice, no qualifying, straight into the cup series and just taking the green flag. And, you know, a lot of people obviously thought I was crazy for doing it, but I just thought, man, I got nothing to lose here. This is absolutely bucket list to think I'm going to drive in the cup series with all these superstars. Um, and you got to get a start somewhere. Obviously I drove that 90 car in Xfinity and then very shortly I was quickly, I was driving for Joe Gibbs a lot sooner than I thought I would be different deal in Xfinity, but still a lot happens by just getting yourself on the radar. So yeah, it, it went very well, looked after the car, didn't put a scratch on the car in both races, finished ahead of a handful of guys that had been doing it a while. Um, and, and then that motivated Rick gave him, you know, the confidence to put me in the car for another like, 13 races and I could never have thought that in 2020 I'd have done like 15 cup races and the Indy 500 it was incredible for how tough that year was for a lot of people obviously so yeah I I had to you know learn some tough lessons obviously right like I ended up brushing the wall at Daytona 400 and then cutting a tire and spinning it and putting it in the wall and drove it back into the paddock and got out of the car and looked at it. And I'm just like, well, what do you expect? You know, <laughs> like I'd never driven these cars before and I'm like three wide in the middle and like up the top and our cars are all trimmed out. Like I'm, I was just like, okay, I, I didn't write it off. Like, yeah, it's not ideal, but okay. Of course something was going to happen at some point in one of the races. So fortunately there weren't any, weren't many incidents, but there was a couple and um, as a result of that groundwork, you know, we were able to do a deal with Rick to do 26 of the 36 weekends this year. I'm in slightly better equipment than I was last year. Definitely not much, but everything's kind of a little bit of a baby step and, and things have gotten off to a good start this year. We scored the team's best uh, road course result um at uh daytona with the 23rd and their best short track result at martinsville with the 22nd and then of course uh the pro invitational i racing series has been huge for us under underfunded guys to try show something um with equal car performance and uh yeah it's just been great to get my name out there for the no name that i am compared to all the other guys so yeah, just kind of slowly, I'm seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, if kind of the equal performance things, you know, anything to go by with the new car, it's certainly exciting uh, for, for a lot of guys, you know, in, in running at the back <laughs> uh, for 2022. Absolutely. And James, we talked last year. I remember right before that Pocono race, I think you were originally scheduled to run the Talladega race. NASCAR didn't approve that. So they made you run the Pocono doubleheader. And I remember you telling me one of the goals you had was just to 
learn as much as you could and run as many laps and hope it turned into some more opportunities. You look one year removed from that, like you said, 26 races this year. And what, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in one calendar year as a race car driver? Um, how long the races are, <laughs> which is good because you've got so much time to recover from adversities, um, from the car not being great at the beginning and just as long as you just keep circulating competitively, even if you go a lap down, you can still get the laps back sometimes, you know. And, um, you know, there's been races where I thought I was going to just get smoked by my competition but just hung in there and ended up finishing first in class. And so, yeah, you learn that, obviously, uh <laughs> the deal where you're like coming to a restart and then all the fast cars just steal your position under caution and you're just like what the hell is that like dude that doesn't exist in any other race series in the world than nascar but you understand why because you are going into the restart with a knife <laughs> at a gunfight there's just no point like get out of the way and let those Daytona prototypes go so that was something that was different at Pocono straight away um you get comfortable racing very close proximity initially you know it's kind of a bit nerve-wracking having being in the pack like 40 roaring v8s and everyone's so close and you're loose and you know rubbing on people and all of that and you just kind of quickly realize like, okay, this is what it is. Everyone's on edge and the noise is making it like twice as intimidating as it probably really is. So once you kind of just psychologically kind of cancel a few things out and get used to it, it becomes okay. Um, I'd say that one of the biggest thing, you know, the big word everyone uses in stock car racing is overdriving. And yeah, it's a huge thing. You've, Adapting to the tire fall off is, is, is a big, big part of NASCAR racing. And it, it make, starts to make sense to you. I remember it running around at Richmond last year behind um, JJ Yaley and Reed Sorensen and just kind of coming off turn four, all of a sudden I just couldn't get the power down. And then, I noticed those guys running a lane higher and I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. They're, they're trying to roll more minimum speed and get their trajectory better, get the steering out of it and pick the throttle up from a higher speed. And uh, yeah, just changing your lanes and your lines and, and all of that. The PJ one, I'd never ran in any of that stuff before. Um yeah, I, re I really enjoy it, especially the, the 750 package. It's so much better than the 550 stuff. Um, you're, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing when you come from, you know, GT racing with very sophisticated cars or, or IndyCar to NASCAR, just how little help you have as a driver. I mean, everything, when you look at a stock car, everything is backward to an Indy car. You've got front engine, rear engine, high center of gravity, low center of gravity. 
you know, big wide tyre on an Indy card that barely degrades to, a, you know, a smaller tyre with huge deg, um, no downforce, just no side bite, nothing. And it's, it's a very fun little um, kind of equation that you've got to, you've got to crack to, uh, as a driver. You've got to constantly be feeling it and, you can lose so much time by under or overdriving it. And if you get it right, it's very, very rewarding in a NASCAR is what I've found. Um, and as ever, racing on ovals, it's you're so limited by your car. Not only what its mechanical capabilities are, but its balance on a given day. You know, we, we all see it. I remember, I think it was Dover just seeing – Truex running around in 20th place and he just won three races and it's like, okay, he hasn't forgotten how to drive. So, you know, you see one weekend to the next, some teams hit it. Well, Stuart Haas did this past weekend, obviously Hendrick's always there. Penske's were good. The Joe Gibbs cars weren't all up there in the top 10 as usual like we saw last year. So yeah, I mean, it looks extremely competitive amongst the top 15 to 20 cars. Um, and, yeah, it would be amazing to one day be in one of those. So, yeah, just got to continue taking these baby steps in the right direction. Seems to be. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fascinating stuff, uh, James. Uh, let's go racing with David Starr, episode 29. We're joined by James Davidson. He is presented by Whataburger. Stop by Whataburger for a hot, hearty breakfast in the morning or late at night. They're serving up breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Waterburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. David, what do you got? Man, uh, James, man, I've just been sitting here listening to you talk. And, uh, man, you can just hear the, the passion you have and your family, hearing about your grandfather, that you're just you're so, so deep in history with your family and, and auto racing and Formula One and just, you know, you driving for a Tony George, um, finishing second in Indy Light Series, running, you know, the six Indianapolis 500s. I think your best finish is 12th. Man, you know, our listeners, I mean, I've just been hit, sitting here listening to you. And, man, your ability as a race car driver, your skill set to jump in a, a Joe Gibbs car, go to the front, win a stage, almost win a race, but you were taking out and just all the different racing you've done since you were a, a young boy, man, it, it's, it's, it's inspiring to hear the commitment, the dedication and the passion that it takes to get to where you have, what you have done and what your family's done, man. I, I know you know, your grandfather's no longer with us, but, you know, he's proud of his grandson. And I'm sure your dad's just – I'm sure he's just watching it on television. He's just, just shining bright, proud of his, his son. And, you know, and because hearing you speak and knowing what you've been through and what you have accomplished, just to race in the Indianapolis 500 one time, there's only a certain amount of people in the world – that have ever done that. You've done it six times. To drive for Tony George, uh, you know, Tony George in IndyCar racing, I mean, you know, that's that says it all, you know, and uh, 
you're uh, to have Joe Gibbs give you an opportunity to create opportunities to, to run as good as you have over the years in different forms of auto racing and to hear the struggles of somebody that has the ability, the passion and the desire to be a champion. It's real, man. It's real. And I just appreciate what you've done, where you came from. And I appreciate the hard work and the dedication it takes to get the funding to be able to show people I'm a champion. I'm a winner. I can, I can do this. I can compete at this level. It's really inspiring. And man, to see what you've done in NASCAR over the last two years, it's, and it's, it's amazing because people really don't realize stock car, 3,400 pound stock cars, V8s, that type of racing. That's not the type of racing that you've done all your career. And for somebody to give you an opportunity and to throw you to the wolves at Pocono last year for the first time with no practice, no qualifying, and a cup car at Pocono. And, dude, you did good. Shows you – it tells everybody, and shows the world the ability is there as a race car driver, obviously, with all the accomplishments and everything you've done. But, man, it just lets other people know that this is a tough sport. I don't care what type of auto racing, but obviously – Indy car racing, NASCAR. It's we're talking the biggest racing uh, series in the world, and you're doing it. So I hope I hope your family's proud of you. I hope you're proud of yourself because man, you have accomplished a lot. And I don't think I think we're just kind of this is just the beginning, you know. Only thing James Davison needs is a big sponsor or some help. <laughs> and uh, man, but I tell you what, you know. Uh, it's pretty cool that Rick Ware, Rick Ware will give somebody that has the ability and the passion and the success you've had in other types of racing an opportunity in NASCAR. And, man, you have taken that opportunity and ran with it. And, man, we only hope the best for you. Week in and week out, we watch you. We've been watching you for a while. And, man, you, you, are, taking, you are taking full advantage of that opportunity. And I believe that we're going to see James Davison in NASCAR racing for a long time to come, man. So you should be so proud of what you accomplished to this point. Pretty cool. And to be from Australia, you know what I mean? You, you know, you're not even from America, you know, and you're, you're Australian. I mean, you know, you've come over here to the States and man, you have accomplished. I mean, it's amazing what you have accomplished and where you're racing at today to be racing in the NASCAR cup series, there's a, again, it's like the Indianapolis 500. There's so many, so many people in the world that have not a lot of them have gotten an opportunity to race that, that level of competition. And dude, you're, you're there, man. So it's pretty cool to hear your story. And thanks for joining us this evening on, uh, on our podcast. Pretty cool, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Um, I certainly put my heart and soul into, into racing. It's not my career, it's my life. And, um, you know, as ever, you're always wanting more and, um, yeah, it, it is tough when you're from the other side of the world or, you know, just never caught that break, but, you know, just got to keep, keep pedaling, keep digging. <laughs> keep, oh, yeah. on, keep it on buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. James, uh, of all the things you've done and accomplished, I know you're still pretty young and still have a lot that uh, you want to achieve, but 
looking back, what is it that you're most proud of at this point, James? Um, just kind of broadly looking at, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, and, and IMSA to, to, to just, if my career was to stop today, to say, all right, I, I, I was able to lead the Indy 500 from last on the grid, win a NASCAR stage race, and qualify on pole with the Rolex 24 at, um, at Daytona and GT. So the three top series, I just put my heart and soul into, you know, my, my, my passion and, and was able to be there. So, um, you know, as ever, there's, there's a lot of talent out there. You know, there's so, so many guys, believe me, especially in this day and age with, with the technology that there is. There's so many good racing drivers that just need a, a go. But you've got to be as much of a good businessman off the track and just simply some people are going to catch the right breaks um, and really have amazing careers and end up going the whole way. But, you know... Never say never. I'm, I'm still new here in NASCAR. I think it was June 28th last year that I did my first NASCAR races, 27th, 28th. That hasn't even been a year. So I've just got to just keep being patient here. Um, and uh, like I said, see what, uh, see what happens with this new car in 2022. It's, it's going to make it tougher to do more races. It's going to be expensive take a lot more sponsor dollars, but just to be there is, is going to be a big part of it. So James, uh, you know, running six Indianapolis 500s and, you know, finishing second in the Indy Lights series, uh, driving for Sam Smith, who's a good friend of mine and just, yeah. you know, all those cool accomplishments. And now you transition over to a, a NASCAR cup series race car driver uh, when you're watching Indianapolis 500 a couple weeks ago, I mean that was exciting, man. I we uh, we ran to 600, and uh, but man, I woke up uh, Sunday morning and uh, couldn't wait to watch the Indianapolis 500. Man, what a what a race that was! That was amazing, and to see Helio win his uh, fourth Indianapolis 500, see some history there, you know. Uh, you know when you're seeing when you're watching IndyCar racing, seeing it on television or you know, attending a race these days, does that itch come back or are you fully committed to the NASCAR deal? You know, I'm fully committed to NASCAR. Um, you know, I'll be honest when I was watching the pre-race ceremonies and race day at Indy, that's when it became official. Okay. The show is going on without me, <laughs> but I, but I thought, hang on a minute. No, no, no. I am absolutely sure of my decision. I want to be in the Cup Series. Yeah. I want to be racing every other weekend and being a part of – there's just so much opportunity in NASCAR. And, you know, you, you look at it come the end of this year in a – you know, it'll be a 16th-month period. I'll, I'll have raced in um, – 42 cup races. Wow. And it took me uh, to 10 years to do eight IndyCar races. Now, wow. six of them were the Indy 500, but 
there's just a lot more opportunity in NASCAR. And I really do love it. I'm not just here because, okay, there's opportunity and this is where my career's taken me. Like I said, I made the endeavor to go get involved in Xfinity and sign myself up to go drive a stock car on an oval for the first time in the cup series without practice and qualifying on a track I hadn't <laughs> driven like that. I, it's, it's what I want to do. And I'm definitely, you know, getting a lot more traction here than I could have ever dreamed of in, in a short period of time. Now it's only traction. It's only really going to mean something if I can, you know, turn it into something, but it, a few, you know, next year, obviously there's, I think the whole driver market depends on, um, you know, where Kurt Busch goes. I think he holds the key to it all. But, um, you know, even with, you know, Rick Ware's team, I'm sure uh, with the new car that they're going to be more competitive. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm very sure of my decision. IndyCars, you know, it's amazing seeing IndyCar race at Long Beach in the Indy 500, but let's, you know, let's be realistic. It's all the other races are very inconsequential to so many of NASCAR's races. Like sure. I was chatting with one of my, my main sponsor, Bird Enterprises, that are involved in the hotel business in Arizona and the food um, service business in, in Indiana. And, um, you know, we were saying, okay, you got the Daytona 500 here and then just below it, you've got two Talladega 500s, you've got Bristol 500, Southern 500, some cool events like, you know, racing potentially a street course next year. And I'm sure I'm missing out plenty of others. Watkins right, Glen's right. a classic that the whole road racing community watches and sure. Uh, uh, like Road America on July 4th is going to be a classic. And, you know, yes. for, for IndyCar racing, really, they're two marquee events. They've got two marquee events, which is the Indy 500 at Long Beach. Uh -huh. But NASCAR, I mean, all the races are huge. And um, it's uh, just very cool to see what's happening with the, uh, like you were saying, you know, the celebrities involved, people, Michael Jordan, the US mm -hmm. president comes. Yeah, you, you know that it's pretty serious when when you've got that. I mean, the names don't get much bigger. Oh yeah, I mean to add to that, James. I mean the, the way that this sport is followed week to week really says a lot about the product that that NASCAR puts out there together. And uh, so, with that being said, uh, were were you always a NASCAR fan? I mean, what what brought you to attract you to NASCAR? Was that always the end goal? Um, it, it was IndyCar racing, like I said, because my family was open wheel and I'd grown up going to the IndyCar race at Surface Paradise in Australia in the late 90s. But uh, also, the, you know, in Melbourne where I lived is the one oval in Australia, the Thunderdome that was built based on Charlotte in the late 80s. And we had an Australian NASCAR series there. It, it you know, it, basically the idea, a wealthy enthusiast built, you know, uh, an oval and, and thought that the whole kind of Chevy Impala and Ford Taurus 
concept would an oval racing would work in Australia and it it it's it's not in our DNA like road racing and V8 supercars are it's like our biggest race is the Bathurst 1000 which is a you know a crazy road course up and down a mountain that's our Indy 500 our Daytona 500 so the NASCAR kind of concept didn't take off in Australia just because we're such a small little economy with our own little tradition but um I was I went to the Thunderdome as a kid and saw it in the 90s and like I said watched Days of Thunder uh also when I was living in Indianapolis I went to the Brickyard 400 many times I when I raced Grand Am in 2010 I was racing as a support event at Watkins Glen to to NASCAR um I'd been out to see Marcus Ambrose when he was in the truck series because I'd, I'd, I'd met him before he'd left to America um, in the early 2000s. So, yeah, I, I always looked at NASCAR and just how huge it was in, in those early 2000s, but just having no idea how to get involved and being just committed to the open wheel route that I was in since Australia had an IndyCar race. There wasn't an Australian driver until kind of close to when I was going to crack in myself. Willpower came across from Europe. Um, but I always had interest in it. And, uh, you know, I said in an interview with uh, racer magazine that kind of in hindsight, looking at how my careers played out that I just, was never quite in the right position financially or physically in the right place um, at the right time to get an opportunity that I needed in IndyCar. And the amount of opportunity I've gotten in such a short period of time in NASCAR that if I had my time again, coming over to the States at 18 in 2005, man, I would have gone NASCAR racing. I mean, look... Look! Look what it did for Michael McDowell and 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 AJ Allmendinger. And I mean, I w- I remember chatting to McDowell at, at the Australian IndyCar race. He did like two races at the end of two thousand and five in Champ Car. Um, and I remember we were at the after party afterwards, and just um, he was you know a number of years further down the the open wheel route than me, and um just uh maybe asking him you know what, what what are your plans for next year and he said oh you know i'm not really sure yet basically he didn't have millions to go bring to an indycar team and yeah he ended up going nascar the next year and i mean what a what a great move it's been for so many of those guys and especially in that heyday when there was a lot of opportunity around i mean crazy how much there was um well, I'm trying at a difficult time, but like I said, I've gotten so much more opportunity than I could have ever imagined. It's been great. Well, hearing you talk about Michael McDowell, uh, you know, people are talking about James Davison now. So uh, to see what he's done uh, going from uh, trying to have a career in open wheel IndyCar racing and uh, you see what he's done and and I'm, I'm sure and I'm sure you guys will agree with me 
you know, when you jumped over to NASCAR, man, you have done so much in a short period of time. So we're excited to see the future of James Davidson and NASCAR. I think it's going to be big and uh, you should be proud of yourself. I mean, you, you have created opportunities, um, you know, people, uh, people, uh, I think people in the industry know your ability and the skill sets you have with the, what you have done in the past and, uh, and the opportunities that are coming your way are pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And uh, I think, you know, here in the next two, three, four years, it's, uh, you're going to be a household name in NASCAR racing, you know, just judging on what, what you've done in the short period of time you've done it in NASCAR. So, uh, pretty cool, man. We're excited for you. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I certainly appreciate all of that. Obviously there's no guarantees, but I'm giving it my best shot. Um, you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of stress not knowing how, you're going to fund the following year. I have no idea where I'm going to be next year. You know, I'm not resting easy on it. And I guess that's what, you know, as they say, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And <laughs> having that, having that stress is what's going to get the most out of yourself if you do have an opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I've still got a lot of hard work to go. And, um, ho yeah, hopefully, basically it can be all turned into fruition and, but no guarantees, but bottom line, I'll be doing my best to make every post a winner. So we'll see. Awesome. All right. Thanks. That sounds great guys. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our news and notes segment. But before we do, uh, don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Dominic, what we got this week? We got this week hot off the presses. Kyle Larson's the hottest driver in NASCAR. One, <laughs> two finishes. But Kyle Larson wrapped up his fourth win of the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series campaign and the 10th career win of his NASCAR Cup Series career when he took the checkered flag Sunday in the Ally 400 at Nashville Speedway, Super Speedway rather, leading 264 of the 300 laps. I think more impressively, though, you all know I'm a numbers guy. So when you actually break this down and take a look at what Kyle Larson has done in this short amount of time, that was his 10th career win. He's the 64th NASCAR driver in history of the entire Cup Series to eclipse the double-digit win mark. But that ties in with Donnie Allison, Clint Boyer, and Sterling Marlin on the all-time wins list. So he's starting to get into some really big names as far as territory of tying drivers on the wins list. James, let's start with you. You're the guest. What do you make of uh, Kyle Larson's uh, run that he's been on here the last month or so? Yeah, well, as they say, uh, you know, results is, uh, what is it, when preparation meets opportunity and, you know, you throw, obviously, uh, a very special talent. I've seen what Kyle Larson can do on dirt. Uh, him and Christopher Bell at the Chili Bowl. And honestly, having been in many, many F1 races, IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, the most impressive thing that I have ever seen in my racing years is what Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell can do on turf. <laughs> that is unbelievable what they can do. I'm, it, it still blows my mind. Um, and so obviously he had done very well with Ganassi, which 
is known to not be a powerhouse, but a good, strong team. So if he was able to win races in a car that no one else was able to prior, at least off the top of my mind, or, or as consistently as he did, when the time came that he was going to drive for Hendrick or Penske or uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, he was odds-on to, yeah, really start making <laughs> a statement. And, um, you know, in, in a way, you know, you'd say he's kind of the Lewis Hamilton of NASCAR. And, uh, you know, one of the best talents unquestionably in the best equipment, and then there's your result. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's been awesome. He deserves it. It's also, I also like success stories, um, you know, that people have risen to the top through adversity, kind of knowing, you know, how tough the struggle can be and the setbacks there are in life. And obviously, you know, he made a mistake last year um, and, you know, paid a price for it, um, made a big effort to get himself, you know, back on the map and right and accept and socially accepted, which is such a big thing in this day and age and um, got a second chance and has made the absolute most of it. And um, it's, it's great to see, really. Um, you know, you can only be happy and give credit where cr credit's due. David, what, do you, what say you about, uh, about Kyle Larson, this run he's been on? I mean, he's, he's not only beaten the field, but he's beat cancel culture to him, and it's quite the story. Dude, man, it's amazing. You know, just uh, it's, it's kind of what James is saying. It's cool. It's just such a great story. To have a kid that just, you know, when I when I watch him and you watch him at the Chili Bowl, obviously with Christopher Bell and, you know, and the Sprint Cars and World of Outlaws and just the late model dirt cars, his ability, uh, I mean, I, I'm just so reminded of A.J. Foyt and Tony Stewart, you know, and, uh, man, you put that ability, that special God-given gift that he has uh and you mix that with a Hendrick Motorsports, and man, the recipe there is a championship. But we're—I think we're seeing something special. You know, we're seeing something special happen. Uh, I was in the race yesterday, and, and after I fell out, I watched the last part of it. And man, they—they—they they, they weren't even close. I mean, when they dropped the green flag within a lap or two. I mean, he had a half second, a second lead. I mean, it was just amazing the dominance that, I mean, I, I think at the end of the, towards the end of the race, he was getting low on fuel and they were telling him conserve, conserve. I heard he was turning his engine off. I mean, he had, I don't know, it was a 10, 11 second lead uh, over the second place guy. It was, it's just, you know, and you know, you, you think about that. You know, you say people said, well, hey, uh, Hendricks is the powerhouse. They've always been the powerhouse. But, you know, it's a circulation. You know, last year we seen uh, Stuart Haas with uh, Kevin Harvick win nine races and Denny Hamlin win so many. But, man, uh, people are talking about the Hendrick cars have found something this year. And they probably have. They found something. They have the resources and the technology and the engineering. They probably found something uh, that – 
their competition doesn't have. But you look at the other Hendrick cars. At one point, right after I fell out of the race, you had uh, there were three Hendrick cars, first, second, and third. But the other Hendrick cars weren't even the same in the same zip code as Cal Larson. So we're seeing somebody's ability, somebody very special, just that God-given talent. And uh, to come through the adversity, like James was saying, uh, we all make mistakes, but him getting making a mistake and, and getting that second opportunity to uh, reappear, re re-enter back into our world of NASCAR racing uh, so gracefully and, uh, and, and to get the opportunities he's getting and to see the results, man. I mean, I'll tell you what, when he won that race yesterday afternoon in Nashville, the fans love him. They absolutely love him. And, man, you know, when you're beating Martin Truex Jr., when you're beating Kyle Busch, you know, his own teammates, Chase Elliott, I mean, you know, the Hendrick cars are, are they, there's something there, something special. They found something somewhere, it looks like to me. But man, the other Hendrick cars aren't even close. Uh, I just think we're wit witnessing something very special. And this, this specialness and this ability, this talent, this young talent that we're watching is going to be around for a long time. And I think all the records we have, that have out there, others, Jeff Gordon, other uh, superstars, Jimmy Johnson. I think Kyle Larson is going to be in that same, you know, same group. We're going to be talking about him 10 years from now, like we do Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. You know, it's just amazing what he can do in a race car. And, and no matter, like James was saying, what kind of race car that is. But, man, it's just amazing what we're witnessing today in NASCAR. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, Dom, what else we got? Yeah, and just to add on to that, too, he's the first three-in-a-row winner in the Cup Series since 2018, Brad Keselowski going back-to-back-to-back, Darlington through Las Vegas and that stretch in the playoffs. But, no, just real quick, too, before we move on to your segment here, Tyler, just some upcoming birthdays in the NASCAR world. Jeffrey Earnhardt will be celebrating a birthday tomorrow, the 22nd. Hut Strickland, former racer on the 24th. Natalie Decker on the 25th. Matt Tift and Kevin LePage share birthdays on the 26th. Johnny Benson Jr. on the 27th, and a friend of the show, Mike Skinner, turned 68 on June 28th. Tyler? Wow. Happy birthday to those guys, man. Yeah, congrats on uh, getting older. Uh, <laughs> it's so. a blessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, guys, uh, before we get to our uh, Ask David segment, uh, I do want to tell you, uh, just a reminder that the folks at Whataburger cook up 100% pure beef burgers 24 hours a day. You can get your burger fixed anytime, day or night at Whataburger. Proud to serve it hot and fresh, 24 hours a day. Time for our Ask David segment. Each week, you submit questions to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, hit the inbox right now. Uh, first question uh, comes in from uh, John. He writes... What has been the most unique thing you have encountered in NASCAR, James, compared to other series you've raced in? What does your future with Rick Ware Racing look like? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, the deal coming to the green where the faster cars just, you know, 
<laughs> either steal your position or you just wave them by. That doesn't exist in any other series. I mean, you don't see an F1, the Williams moving over for a, for a Mercedes coming to a restart or something like that. But um, that's very unique to NASCAR. Obviously, the, the pit lane uh, speed, doing that manually, that's it's, it's, all, it's always stressful. I mean, you can see that the top, top guys can just ruin their races by it. And, um, uh, you know, pitting under green, you want to get the most out of it you can, but it's so easy to, to speed on the way in. Uh, getting used to the proximity that you race everyone. Um, getting used to getting dumped <laughs> and there being absolutely no action taken where in every other race series someone would get banned for one to three races like what happened to me at Martinsville was <laughs> like just normal right but to me it's like dude like this is this is something different and it is what it is and you need to get used to it James if you want to be around here in NASCAR so um yeah it's, it's happened to me in Xfinity and Cup now I've been hit you may have seen the big slide I had it at, at uh at Charlotte and um you know sometimes uh some 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 uh you know bad publicity can be some good publicity when you're running around at the back there and uh you you know get your sponsors some TV time but uh there is in NASCAR is just so so unique to any other race series in the world, and I love it. It's um, you know, it must be. I always wonder what the Europeans think when they see NASCAR, just the super speedway racing, forty cars, the the spectacle. And one thing I'll never forget is when um, uh, I was racing Formula BMW, the kind of open the entry level open wheel series to the road to Indy. Um, at that time, there was BMW Williams F1 team. And so um, the head of BMW Motorsport was a guy called Dr. Mario Tyson. And he would present the winner's trophies to us young teenagers in Formula BMW at the US and Canadian Grand Prix. So we all knew who he was and we'd see him on TV. He was one of those guys like you would see like Toto Wolf or Christian Horner on the screen in the paddock like 15 years ago. He was like a celebrity. All the F1 fans knew who he was. And he was invited to a NASCAR race around that time in the mid-2000s. And I remember him saying publicly in Autosport or Racer Magazine or something, just saying how impressed he was at the entertainment and that F1 has got a lot to learn off of what he saw NASCAR presenting their fan base. And so I think that really says a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I just I love it for what it is. I mean, it just couldn't get any more American when you think about it. <laughs> right? <Absolutely. laughs> like, it just cannot yeah. get any more American. It's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, very unique, so so unique. <laughs> David, uh, let, me, let me ask you the same thing to you in, in a different sense. When you get to step back and just be a fan, just get to enjoy the sport, do you sense it the same way James is talking about here? Of just that great American culture and the the show that NASCAR is putting on as a product. Man, you know it's uh, 
man, you know, having Brett Bear as a partner, a friend, and having him come to a race is so special. And one of the things Brett Bear said, and, and uh, you know, you know, I'm sure he won't mind me quoting him, but he said, man, when you come to a NASCAR race, you're coming to see true Americans. I mean, you're so American. You know, these people are so passionate about auto racing, NASCAR racing, the sponsors, the manufacturers, the drivers. You know, these are just true, hardworking Americans that love racing, man. And, and to hear James speak, man, it just makes me a proud American. I mean, we're proud Americans, you know. Uh, I'm a proud Texan, but I'm, I'm also a proud NASCAR fan, even though it's 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 everything I've ever wanted. And, you know, and man, I've been so blessed more than I deserve to be part of it as long as I have. And uh, it's cool to hear an Australian guy from Australia come to NASCAR and to compete at the level he's competing at. And just to hear, hear him talk about our sport, man, it makes me proud. I'm proud. I'm proud of what we do. Uh, I'm proud of the people we know and the people that are involved in our sport. And I'm just proud of how big NASCAR racing is and how many Americans love it and follow it. You know what I mean? And not just Americans. It's, it's a world thing. I think people probably, you know, hearing James talk, I'm sure his family and his fans in Australia tune in and watch him on TV. And then, you know, when I, I meet a lot of fans every week and over the years, people from all over the world, man, London, England, I mean, people from everywhere, you know, and uh, it just, I'm just proud to hear James talk about it. And uh, he's so right, man. It's, it's a spectacle. And to hear about the guy he's talking about that came to his first NASCAR race and said that, F1 racing has a lot to learn from how NASCAR entertains its fans. I mean, that's that's a that's a big statement to hear James mm. say that, and to hear this fellow that only came to one NASCAR race, and and that was one of the things that he he talked about. It just, I mean, we're proud Americans. We we love our sport. I mean, obviously, all of us do. But it's just cool to hear James the way he speaks about it, and uh, just it makes me proud to. To be oh, a competitor yeah. and be a part of it as long as we all have, you know. I mean, David, uh, the thing that Dominic and I kept saying to each other when we were at Texas Motor Speedway last week was we could smell the freedom in the air. I mean, <laughs> that, that's the vibe we got. You know? Absolutely, it, man. Uh, absolutely. Stretch. I mean, that, we, we were saying that all weekend, Dom. Oh, absolutely. I was telling people, too. I heard the national anthem being played back here in town on a radio station. I was telling one of the guys. Now, the next thing I'm used to hearing is, driver starts your engines so, <laughs> i know what you mean that, that patriotic feel the the, the strong sense of yeah. love for our country and love for one another i mean nascar does it right and I've, I've told you guys this and i've been vocal about it too i think nascar does it right and we, we start things off with the prayer and then we do the national anthem and then we go racing i, I love that I, I i have so much pride in that when you're standing there on pit road no matter what part of pit road whether you're standing next to a driver or somebody else you're just you're watching the rocket's red flare and, or whether it be the prayer, you just get that sense. I, I echo everything you guys are saying. Yeah. I, I, I thought uh, being part of the Coke 600 this year was really special. Just seeing how much of a dedicated effort NASCAR made to saluting the military. And I'll be honest, Watching, you know, the Indy 500 as a kid and seeing all the pre-race ceremonies and even driving in my first, like, 
four Indy 500s. And, you know, there's all this Memorial Day stuff. And, okay, I guess, you know, a bunch of people died before us, but it was so long ago, it's hard to understand it. In the last handful of years, like, I made a dedicated effort to really learn what it's all about and learning what happened in World War One, World War Two, what this country did to liberate the world and just the incredible engineering feats they made with, with the Boeing aircrafts and all the factories up in Detroit and just the mass production of everything. Um, and it, it really started to make sense of why we live this life today and why there is a Memorial Day and a Veterans Day and all of that because we are living just this magic carpet ride of a life. I mean, it, it still blows my mind that it, it's only 75, 80 years ago that World War II ended. It's nothing. I mean, there's people that are alive. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and you think how far the world's came and how terrible it would have been to have been alive and a young man in your 20s, 75, 80 years ago. And so many guys didn't want to be a part of it and obviously paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, and, and we just get to ride this magic carpet ride of today. And I think a lot of people don't really understand what occurred, how substantial it was. And then finally on the grid at the Indy 500 in 2019, when they were giving the, uh, you know, the military salutes and the, uh, the trumpet, what's it called? Um, uh, oh, taps. The cat, caps. Taps. Taps. Yeah. I mean, I started tearing up because I, I properly understood what it meant. And, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed being a part of the Coke 600. And, and when you see the people in uniform, it's like, man, thanks so much because we are living just a ridiculous fairy tale life. Oh, yeah. What so many people did before us. James, I think we're uh, we're going to make you an honorary American now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here's here's the thing. I'm, I've I've spent half my life in America now, and my entire adulthood here. So I really understand what it means to be an American, and a lot of people don't, for mm -hmm. obvious reason, right? They just they don't they they're not here. They don't share the same values, see things the same way. But I really do understand it and think like an American because I've been here. 16 17 years of my adulthood yeah yeah that's uh that's fantastic a couple more questions for you guys uh this one on a much less serious note uh this question comes from uh actually another podcast the uh, box office quarterbacks they want to know uh james uh better movie talladega nights or days of thunder you get it, it both are good but I definitely prefer Days of Thunder because it's just a little more serious, you know. It, it, it portrays the spectacle of NASCAR better. The beginning of the race, sorry, the beginning of the, the movie where they've got all the prep going on for the Daytona 500 and all 40 cars firing up the engines, the super speedway spectacle, the seriousness of the danger involved, obviously the ability to <laughs> pull attractive women as a race car driver. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more real, you know? 
um, <laughs> obviously a lot of it's uh, you know it's far-fetched Hollywood stuff but I'll tell you I'll tell you a, a true story I was on the grid um, at the Coke 600 knowing that that's where that opening one of the opening scenes was filmed where you know Tom Cruise is riding down the pit lane on the Harley and um, I remember before you know he drove the car and Harry Hogg <laughs> he he said something to him and so I got my two teammates around I think it was Garrett Smithley and Josh Balicki just pointing at turn four and I go you know whether it's hot or cold that tunnel turns real tricky you'll slam <laughs> the wall before you know it so take it easy <laughs> and then I just walked off to my car and we're all laughing that's awesome <laughs> That's awesome, James. <laughs> David, I, I know you haven't watched Talladega Nights from start to finish, but you've seen Days of Thunder at least, right? No, 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 no. I've seen, I've, I've, I've seen Talladega Nights, and it's no, 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 it's, no. Uh, not, not, not you, James. David hasn't. Seen oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I've seen watching? James. I've seen bits and pieces of the Talladega Nights, you know. But I think you know I love Days of Thunder because as a Younger kid, I was at the race sneaking into the garages, and as they were filming parts of the movie, um, being there witnessing that. Uh, but I, it was kind of cool. I got pictures of, uh, you know, I used to go to Daytona as a young kid, sneak in the garage, and and uh, uh, and, and I, I, I was there at Daytona when they were filming the movie, and uh, and that was really cool, but kind of. Days of Thunder portrays our sport like it really, like it really is. You know what I mean? It's a lot of it's true. Uh, you know, when they're forty cars on forty-three cars on pit road and they crank up, and the, you know how how the energy just it lights up the whole racetrack, and and uh, you know this, you know Harry Hyde being a, a one of the all-time best crew chiefs and hearing him. Speak talk to his driver, you know, that kind of stuff happens, you know what I mean? And uh, he tells uh, Tom Cruise, hey, go, uh, please hit the pace car, you know, go hit the pace car. He's like, why? Because I've hit, because you've hit everything else. That's the only thing left, you know. <laughs> I've had some crew chiefs tell me, hey, man, go, uh, go, go hit that race car. It's the only one you haven't hit on the racetrack, you know. So I don't know. I just think Days of Thunder, it's, uh, you know, it, a lot of it is Hollywood kind of far-fetched stuff, but it really portrays the sport as the great sport it is. You know what I mean? And I think uh, what little I've seen of uh, of Talladega Nights, you know, it's more of a comedy, comedy and anything with Will Ferrell is just freaking hilarious. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely a, more of a Days of Thunder fan than I would a, a Talladega, Talladega Nights guy, you know? Oh. Even though the Talladega Nights has some great one-liners, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, now, now it's my turn to drop the hammer. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I love both movies. Uh, I got to go Days of Thunder myself personally, but uh, I love them both. I love the uh, documentary special Fox did before the Daytona 500 on the making of Days of Thunder and how close it was to airtime of when uh, the short crunch they had to get that movie out was uh, that was pretty cool to see. What say you, Dom? No, I'm with you, Tyler. I, I've seen both of them. Both are great movies, but being biased, right, and having the personal connection that I do with Jeff Bodine and knowing that he had a big part in helping that actually get made in the first place, Days of Thunder all the way. Okay. Four votes for uh, Days of Thunder on uh, the podcast this week. One more question for you. 
in uh, our last on our uh, Ask David segments, and uh, we're going to go uh, back to uh, the uh, Twitter sphere this time, and I uh, get this question from our buddy John Haverland. He writes, uh, "This one's uh, for James. You've been in the Indy 500 several times. You've raced sports cars throughout the years, and you're now in stock cars." You've experienced quite a bit. What did you ultimately want to land with your career when you were young? And which type of racing do you enjoy the most now? So, yeah, as I mentioned, it was IndyCar just because that's where my family history is in open wheel racing. But I've ended up where I really am happiest and um, where I, I want to make it work in, in, in NASCAR and um like I said, I'm, I'm not here just by the way the cookie crumbled. I made a concerted effort to get involved in the Xfinity Series five years ago and get a start and then obviously sign myself up to drive in the Cup Series. Having never driven a stock car on an oval, seen the track, no practice, no qualifying and sign myself up for that. So, um, yeah, it's just a fantastic big grand show to be a part of even though you're at the back in such an underfunded situation it's you know you're one of those 40 guys it's pretty incredible when you think about it what are the odds when you're a kid I mean when you think about it, all the fans in the stand would love to do what we do and there'd be a, a number of them that would could win races if they were given the opportunity and I'm aware of that so um yeah just to be there is huge and um Man, I couldn't imagine uh, uh, what it'd be like to be in a good car. I actually met Richard Childress at Dover, and um, you know, I said, "Oh, I'm really enjoying NASCAR. It's great." He said, "Well, it's a hell of a lot better when you're in a fast car." So. <laughs> yeah. You know, James, hearing you speak, you know, just you've said something, and this, you know, you got to realize. There's 120 race car drivers that race in NASCAR in the world, and you're mm -hmm. one of 120. So something to be proud of, man. I always uh, you too. I, you know, I think about that. You know, there's and there's millions and millions of people that would like to be in your shoes and in my shoes. So we are truly blessed, buddy. No doubt about it. We are. Yeah, that's uh, that's terrific, guys. Uh, real quick, let's go around the room before we go. Uh, let's, uh, let's start with David this time. David, tell us about this uh, Pocono doubleheader weekend. What's it look like for you? Well, man, I'm excited because we'll run, you know, it's kind of interesting. The Xfinity race is Sunday afternoon. So, or, you know, and, uh, and then when we get done racing, the second cup race starts. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it's always neat. I think last year, like James was talking, uh, his first stock car race in a NASCAR cup car was at Pocono. was at Pocono. And I believe that was a, uh, was that a double hitter last year, James? Yes, it you was. Know, that was a that was a double hitter, and that's kind of cool having two cup races on the same weekend. So, man, doing that at Pocono is exciting. I know the fans are excited, and uh, and we get to race on Sunday afternoon. I think that's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? So, I'm looking forward to uh, getting in my '66 Alarm Tech Toyota Super and, and having a great race, you know. So, uh, man, I think it's going to be a fun weekend, and I'm excited about going to Pocono. It's always uh, a fun place to race. It's a, a tricky triangle, that's for sure, you know. And, uh, man, the race fans up in that part of the country are passionate, you know. So, it's uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting up there and racing Sunday afternoon and uh, 
And I'm excited to watch James race this weekend, too, as well. James, we'll be rooting you on. Tell us about what uh, it looked like for you, your outlook this weekend on Pocono. Yeah, well, obviously, I need to be uh, realistic. We're, we're going to be, obviously, at the back as we usually are. But um, uh, I remember last year, you know, if you don't quite hit the setup in the first race, obviously, you can use it as uh, for good information for the second race. And, um, you know, I, I, I went better in race two as a result of obviously getting some experience driving a stock car period, but also making the car better. So um, also learned that, you know, you can, you can stay in the draft of some faster cars in front of you, some faster cars, not many, but um, that's huge. You know, you can really get pulled along half a second or more a lap, probably half a second or a second a lap by just staying, hitting your marks and, staying in that draft so um yeah i i I, um look you know it's pretty crazy it'll be it'll be a year since my first uh stock car start it does feel like it's been a year a lot of water's gone under the bridge but um if uh you want me to be honest i'm really looking forward to road america i mean nascar at road america on july 4th man dude that is going to be huge. And I've heard from um, uh, Josh Balicki, my teammate, who's from Wisconsin, knows a lot of people at the track at Road America, that the uh, circuit promoters or owners are expecting the biggest crowd at Road America since the heyday of CART and IndyCar in the late 90s. So uh, if uh, maybe YouTube, uh, you know, Indy cart race from the late 90s and see how many people there were. I think if the weather's good, it is going to be an incredible spectacle on TV. And, um, man, 40 cup cars roaring through the forest there, man, that's going to be something special. Really looking forward to Road America. Well, yeah, for sure. And, uh, James, we appreciate you joining us, man. We'll definitely have you back on again down the line uh, for sure. Uh, tell us where people can uh, can find you. What's uh, the best way to uh, track all your happenings uh, in, in the racing world, Dave? Oh, so my handle on Twitter and Instagram is Davison, D-A-V-I-S-O-N with an underscore, but the I-N-S is a 15 because of my race number and it looks like an I-N-S. So it's D-A-V-1-5. Uh, O-N underscore. <laughs> or just type in James Davison and you'll find it. Maybe that's easy. Dom, <laughs> oh, awesome. you got that for the graphic? <laughs> yeah, we got that for the graphic. I mean, I triple checked that actually before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what's that? Real quick, one name besides Kyle Larson, uh, Dom, who's uh, who's to watch for besides Kyle this weekend? Got to go Kevin Harvick. I know we talked about it every week. David, I feel like We've talked about it too. Stuart Haas Racing seems like they're turning a corner here. I think Harvick wins one, if not both, of these Pocono races on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, give me Chase Elliott. Uh, he's, he can't be that far off from Kyle Larson. If it's not Kyle, Chase has got to be up there. Uh, what say you, uh, David? One name besides Kyle Larson right now. Well, I just think uh, Kevin Harvick, you look at how he ran this past week, yesterday in Nashville. I mean, he finished third and uh, – you know, it was big. Uh, you know, they it was a big momentum booster for their team, 
and his teammate Eric Almirillo winning the poll. I think uh, I think really the Stuart Haas organization has found you know a little traction here the last two or three weeks, and uh, so I mean I we keep saying Denny Hamlin, uh, Kevin Harvick. I mean how can you not say those guys' name? You know what I mean? Because man, last year over the years they've been so dominant, and you just know. Any race, you know, but just judging off what we've seen in Nashville, I think if anybody has a chance to challenge Kyle Larson, it's going to be Kevin Harvick. I think they got a lot of tracks and a lot of momentum, and uh, it'll be a great two races. And uh, let's not forget about our buddy James here. Hopefully, we can, he can have his, his best finish yet for the uh, the last year of his Cup career. You know, that'd be great, uh, James. Uh, who's the name to watch besides Larson? You think? Um, obviously, Denny Hamlin won or won what his sixth or seventh race at Pocono last year and tied Jeff Gordon, I remember. And, um, yeah, it's just something about Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin that I like. I just think they're, they're true racers that are just very hungry to win as much as I like Larson and have that respect. Um, I'd, I'd love to see Denny get, you know, back to his winning ways. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Denny. Uh, you know I'm not sure where Joe Gibbs Racing's at, but um, yeah, if it's not uh, Larson, hopefully it can be uh, it can be Denny maybe. David, uh, the next few days uh, before you head up to Pennsylvania, and you got some friends to see up there, right? Oh, absolutely. Missing Rich Fix, man. His alarm tech systems up in Reading, Pennsylvania. Man, they're just great people. Love NASCAR racing. Been a great partner of mine for so long, and. I love going up there and hanging out with their their kids, Maggie, and, uh, you know, and, uh, man, they're just, um, God, they're just good people, you know, and um, uh, Kendra, their other daughters, and, uh, you know, uh, my assistant, Courtney, works for Alarm Tech Systems, and, uh, man, it's just a lot of great people up there. I, I love going up, up that part of the country and, and, and racing up there. Just, man, those fans are just passionate about NASCAR, you know, and, uh so uh, I'm looking forward to going up a little early, spending time with the Fix family. And uh, I'm excited about Saturday's race to watch James, see how he does. Uh, just hearing him speak about his career and telling us about everything, it's, it's kind of cool. He, uh, he keeps talking about a backmarker car, but I think he's going to surprise himself, you know, this, this weekend. And uh, he'll probably have his best career finish of uh, his, his, his short cup series career and uh and it's just kind of cool to have him on our podcast and be able to watch him in two races this weekend you know so uh man i'm excited to get up there and get going and uh man i love it every week we get to race and man it's it's awesome man you know and i love having the fans back you know i'm not real sure if the uh if it's a hundred percent uh allowed back into the stands at pocono but man Man, just seeing the energy and the fans this weekend at Nashville and all the excitement, uh, man, I, I just, man, we, us drivers and the teams, I know everybody just kind of, we eat that up, you know, and it's, it's exciting and uh, looking forward to getting up there racing again this coming weekend. That's great. That's great. James, uh, we thank you for joining us, man. Uh, we got like 30 seconds real quick. Uh, any final word, any, any last thought before we go here, man? Uh, yeah, I just appreciate your time. Um, obviously, I'm a new guy here, and any way I can kind of just meet people and get my name out there, build relationships with other drivers, 
like David, obviously the media, you guys, it's, it's all very important to me. So it's, a, it's a, been a great opportunity um, for me. Good discussion. I've, I've genuinely enjoyed it. Good yeah. to get to know David. Yeah. Um, it'd probably be a little more awkward if we ever crash together now, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, no, it's good. I, I really appreciate it. So um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what the weekend brings. Yeah, it's uh, been a pleasure Dominic. having you on here. That's for sure, James. Thank you. Absolutely, Thank you. Dominic. What's uh, what's going on on the uh, racing experts? We'll have Justin Malillo out on site for us at Pocono Raceway this weekend, covering the doubleheader, and we had Jeff Ames for us at Nashville Super Speedway last week. So we're having guys at the track. It's nice that, like the fans, getting to return. NASCAR has kind of opened it up for the media to return to recover races now on site. We'll have Jonathan Field out at Road America for us on July 4th weekend. So looking forward to that. And I might be at Atlanta on July 11th. So we'll see how the next few weeks shape up. That's how it's looking. And Tyler, back to you. Yeah, thank you, Dom. Uh, and uh, before we go, a uh, reminder as always to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes each and every week on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review and or don't leave us one at all. If you email the show at davidstarrpodcast.gmail.com. Showing us you left a review, we're going to send you an autographed David Star photo wall supplies last. So jump on that. Easy opportunity. We're always getting people messages. How am I getting an autographed photo of David? Well, here's how. So check us out there. Also on social media, uh, facebook.com forward slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and then email inbox there, davidstarpodcast.gmail.com. We got to put the checkered flag out on this episode. We will see you all right back here, same time, same place, next week. For David Starr, James Davidson, Dominic Argon, I'm sorry for you. Take so long. We've been another edition of Watch the Race. See you next time.